0: Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. I wanted to give you a perspective on role models tonight. It's something that challenged my own thought process, and hopefully you can take some notes or jot down a thought. I say quotes sometimes, you know, that are not tweetable because I don't know who tweets anymore. But Instagramable, whatever that helps you remember something that was said tonight that you can apply to your life. Tonight, the title of my message is called, Just Because You've Heard It Doesn't Mean You Know It. And, you know, I think role models are really important in our life. You know, growing up, maybe you had a parent that was a role model, or maybe you looked at um, a sports figure or even a superhero, and it kind of helped you discover. This is what I want to be like, or this is who I want to be. Did anybody have that growing up that you can remember, you can look to? Yeah? So, and I think that it's a, it's a really important part of our lives to have a role model, but sometimes we can get so wrapped up in who we don't want to be that we never think of who we do want to be. I remember growing up, I had a lot of friends and their parents got divorced or they saw a lot of, dis- they saw a lot of dysfunction in their life. And I remember them saying, I'm never going to be like my mom. I'm never going to be like my dad. I'm never going to be like my family. And guess what they ended up doing? They ended up being not only just like them, but worse. And I think it's really important that we, we don't have to discover exactly who we want to be, but we have to discover whose we are so that we can know who we are, so that we can become who we are supposed to be. And if you just look at a role model and you're focused on them and what you don't want, you're actually going to get more of what you don't want when you're focusing on that than if you do focus on what you do want. And so I wanted to just challenge you with the thought process that we need to begin to learn about who we are, not just through what other people tell us, not through what social media or the media in general tells us, not through what other people say or what we think, but really who God says you are. Because he's the one that gave you breath. So if you don't know him and don't know what he says about you, how are you supposed to know who you're supposed to be? So I, I found some interesting facts out about this thing called the Bible census. And for some of you that don't know, every year, like America, we do a census about our people and all the different ranges. And I think it was six to eight years ago, uh, they started doing studies about the Bible in America. And I wanted to just point some of these out, to you because I think it's interesting. And it shows where we're at today. So the first thing is that half of Americans use the Bible. That's pretty impressive, right? Until I looked further into the research. And this means that they engage with the Bible by their on their own by using, listening to, watching, praying, or using Bible text or content in any format, not including the use of a church service, at least three to four times a year. So it's cool that we can say half of Americans use the Bible, but that means like we reposted something (laughs) or we heard something that was biblical, that doesn't mean that we're reading it or applying it to our life. The next thing is the Bible is mostly used by older generations and southerners than anybody else, which we could probably guess, right? The next thing is reading the Bible on an app or the internet is becoming more popular than ever. It's interesting because Bible users say that the appeal of a print version of the Bible is like still something that's really important to us. Nine out of ten people, or 89% of people say that they want to have a physical Bible. But although the study shows this, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are reading or applying the Bible. They just want to have one. So more than one-third of these people listen to a teaching via podcast, 35% of people, and they say that this is them reading the Bible or an audio version of the Bible, which is 36%. The next thing is two out of three Americans express that they have Bible curiosity. Two-thirds of Americans, they express that they have some curiosity and they want to know more about the Bible, including one in three who express a strong desire, which I think is great that you're curious about the Bible. The next thing is one in two of Americans think about how the Bible applies to their life. Over one out of two adults who have used the Bible in the past week, 53%, say that they give a lot of thought on to how it might apply to their lives. That's still only half. Although the number of those who think deeply about the Bible um, has gone up since 2017, it has slipped since 2011. In 2011, it was 61%. Now it's only 53 Those with higher levels of Bible engagement are predictably more likely to say that they give a lot of thought to the Bible's application. So if you read it more, you have more of a tendency to say that you think about it. The next thing is people think that reading the Bible positively impacts their spiritual growth. More than half of monthly Bible users report that reading the Bible has resulted in self-perceived willingness to engage with their faith more and to show more loving behavior towards others. Then the last thing that I found out is 6 in 10 Americans believe that the Bible has transformed their life. Overall, almost 6 out of 10 U.S. adults, 58%, believe that the message of the Bible has transformed their life, including 3 in 10 who agree strongly with this statement. Roughly 2 in 5 adults, 42%, say the Bible has not transformed their life. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, and while most people are aware of it or even own one, we often don't know or even apply what we can learn from the people in the Bible. Most importantly, Jesus. And I wanted to read you just like, Forgive me if I'm reading here up front, but I'm trying to give you some of this before I get into some of my thoughts because I think it's important to know. So I'm going to like kind of line out some of the role models that we can look to in the Bible, and hopefully it makes you want to go back and read more about them and learn more about them because some of these people, you might have heard their name in church, but that doesn't mean that you're able to apply their life lessons because you haven't learned from them, but you know about them. So I'm going to just read through some of these. So Moses Moses helped to bring and deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, and even though he was reluctant and focused on his Deficiencies and insecurities, he still followed God and accomplished his call from God. Noah, he heard God's word, listened to it, and obeyed. No matter what others said and no matter how down you may get, there is always a way of saving others, rising above disaster, and navigating life's storms. Jesus, it'd be hard not to list Jesus as one of the role models from the Bible because he's the perfect role model. Jesus showed his love and and God's truth at nearly every single turn. He lived what he preached. That is worth following. Abraham. Abraham was willing to sacrifice what he loved most. Abraham's story shows the true power of sacrifice, and sometimes what you're looking for and what you want to achieve may be possible in other ways than you initially think. David. David conquered an impossible giant and not just one. He trusted God enough to overcome great challenges. His life is an example that where others think you aren't good enough or you don't have what it takes to succeed, God reminds us that no giant is unbeatable with him. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is a person who remained humble even when God specifically chose her as a standout. We can apply so many lessons from her life, trusting God and living life that is willing to obey and glorify him through everything. Job, his life shows us that just because things get bad, it doesn't mean that they will stay bad. God showed Job that the hardest things were a part of God's plan and that Job would be wealthy and blessed for the rest of his life. The story of Job shows that perseverance and trusting God with the good and the bad will help you get through anything and that no matter how dark things get, there is always great things waiting on the other side with God. Samson, Samson had to go through some dark times because of his own choices. They led him down a dangerous path, and yet God still wanted to use Samson. Even when he clearly messed up and disobeyed God, Samson fulfilled his call from birth and God's plan by being obedient despite the hardship he caused himself. We can still be used by God even when we mess up. Ruth After her family died, she was faithful to where God had placed her, and she continued to work and be faithful to God. Because of her faithfulness, she met Boaz, a rich man who became her husband. It is a classic tale of finding someone you love, sticking with them, no matter how tough times may be. And it also shows the value of friendship and how God honors faithfulness. It's in the working that you find your calling. Joshua. Joshua led the Israelites into one of the most famous battles of all time. His leadership ability and his positivity are great examples for anybody. Jonah, you can't run away from your fears. The story of Jonah shows us that even when God calls you and you resist, you can still have a chance to be used by him but running from your fear and God's calling does not work. Esther, Esther was chosen to be the Jewish queen. She helped save the lives of many Jewish people Esther's ability to stand on her own and trust God over those who had so much power in the kingdom shows us that there is no need to be scared in the face of danger. And even the richest and mightiest of people can be put in in their place by God. Peter. Peter was a follower of Jesus. And even though he was rough and aggressive at times, I can relate to that. God still spoke to him like no other disciple. Peter even denied Jesus three times, but Jesus still used him to spread his message and establish the church through him. God wants to use us for his glory, even more than we want to be used by him, but we have to come back to him after we fail. Shamgar, has anyone ever heard of Shamgar? (laughs) He killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, a farming tool that's used back in the day. Killing 600 people in a battle with farming equipment, Seems impossible, but with the power of God behind you, when you submit to him, you can do anything. So those are just a few of the people that I can point out to you. And hopefully one of those stuck out to you and you go like, I need to go read more about that. Because maybe it's aligning with where you're at today. But I think so often we we can hear these names that are preached about. Or we can even see these names in the Bible or see it in a movie sometimes. The Prince of Egypt was a great movie. But then... We don't go any deeper and learn how to apply their lessons in our life. You know, one of the greatest things that my dad taught me is that you have life lessons. And you know, other people can learn from those life lessons and those life lessons come and they turn into life messages. Not if you can be perfect through them, but if you can learn something in your life lessons, they can help other people. And guess what, those other people don't have to go through what you've been through and you don't have to go through what they've been through because you can learn along the way. I sometimes look at the stories in the Bible and I go, why was that included in the Bible? Like, why was that an important part of what I need to know? And sometimes when you think that, you should probably research. And guess what? We have Google. So you can even look at the context of a scripture even deeper than what you would have to from New King James Version, which I don't necessarily read because it's hard to understand with all the thousand and those. And the, maybe that's just King James Version. And so anyways... Whatever way you need to learn about someone in the Bible and get the truth and learn how to apply it, that's a super important thing because guess what? God ordained for their story to be in the Bible so we can learn from it. So why not learn from the Peters so that you can actually be somebody who God can establish his plan upon? Why not learn from the people like Mary so that when God puts something on you, you don't get too boastful or prideful to where he can actually continue to use you? Why not learn from these people so that we don't have to go down a path that God never meant for us to go down because we can learn from their life? So it's hard to know who we are when we don't know who God is to us. He made you, and if you don't know him, how can you ever know yourself? God has great things for you. He has made you great, and he wants you to recognize it so that you can live and walk in that reality of greatness. But so often we don't learn what to do, and we don't learn from the right people, and we don't listen to the right people so that we're not able to actually apply what we know and hear. Therefore, our life looks like a mess. And then we're frustrated. In the Bible, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And I'm not going to make you sit here and think of who you think Jesus is right now. But we all would maybe have some different answers based on our relationship with him, based on where we've been with him. We might have something else to say. Now, you can repeat what you've heard a preacher say or what you've heard somebody else say, but who is he to you? Because that's what's most important. You know, in the Bible, Jesus said who he was many times. And I'm going to read to you a few of these, and then I'm going to explain one of them tonight. He said, first, I am the bread of life. Who comes, Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Second, he said, I am the light of the world. Third, he said, I am the door. Fourth, he said, I am the true vine. Fifth, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life to his sheep. Six, I am the resurrection and the life. Seven, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight. It's in John 14, 6 through 31 is what I'm going to focus on and kind of split it up for you. And, you know, I, I'm actually the director of the internship. If you've never heard of our internship, there's actually a big banner back there. And most people, honestly, in this room alumni are alumni or current interns, if you don't believe me. Raise your hand. Yeah. They're awesome. I love being around them. And we were just on a mission trip in Chicago. Yeah. And we just came back. And I shared this with the interns, but um, we were in a church service, and I w- we were in, like, a worship time, they're, act- they're actually having revival nights, how we had revival nights, which I, th- I think is pretty cool. The churches are doing that all over. Um, but God spoke something to me, and I didn't really know why he spoke it to me, and I just kind of, like, let it, you know, like a crock pot. I just made meat in a crock pot last night. But you know, like a crock pot, like it's got to, like, simmer and it's got to s- season, and yeah, marinate and all those words. That's kind of what was happening. That's kind of what was happening with this word. And I was standing there. And just three things came to my mind. It was, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And I was like, okay, cool. That's a scripture. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, do you realize these are the three biggest things the enemy attacks us in? If Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, and maybe you're not following me yet, so let me just bring up some of these questions that maybe you've had before. The enemy wants you to think of, well, what is the way? Where am I going? Does my life mean anything? Does this mean anything? Have you ever thought of that before? The enemy wants you to question that. The next thing is, what is the truth? There's so many opinions out there. There's so many things that could align with my belief system. What is the actual truth? The enemy wants you to get confused about that. And the next thing is, I am the life. What is my life all about? If you don't know that Jesus is the life, that he brings life, you're gonna question your life. You're gonna question if you matter. You're gonna question if your life means something. And the enemy mainly, if you think about it, he attacks us in those three areas. And pretty much all of our questions that we have that lead us to anxiety, depression, and other things, panic attacks, they stem from those areas because those are foundational truths about who Jesus is. And he doesn't want you to know who Jesus is because if you know who Jesus is and what he's created you to do, you're going to realize that you have authority over the enemy and he's scared of you. He's scared of you, so he wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you feeling defenseless because, by God, if you realize the power you have, he realizes he's got to flee. I'll get into that in a second. Okay. So let me read you some of the scripture. and Sometimes I'll stop and I'll kind of talk to you about it. So it says, you know, Jesus is talking to people and he says, um, Jesus answered them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. Now that you have known me, he said to them, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. That's all we need. Don't we always need one more thing from Jesus? Like, I know you've done all these miracles and, like, you know, you're really cool and, like, we can't really do what you're doing. But, like, can you show us something else, circus man? Like, we think, like, just, have you ever done this to God? You're like, God, I know you spoke to me, but if it's really you, send me a sign. And then you're like, no, not that one. I don't like that one. Send me another one. And you're like, what? That's confronting. How about... There's a piece of paper in front of me. If this piece of paper flips over to the other side without flying away, it's you. We, like, make stuff so difficult. And God's sitting there going, I've already showed you. Over and over and over again. You're either going to choose to believe and follow me or not. You're either going to choose to submit to me or not. Guess what? He's not going to force you. And he's also not your genie. So Philip's saying, Lord, show us the Father. That's all we need. Jesus answered. I love this. For a long time I've been with you all, yet you don't know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Why then do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe me, Philip, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I have spoken to you, Jesus said to his disciples, do not come from me. The Father who remains in me does his own work. Believe me when I say, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If not, believe because of the things I do. I am telling you the truth. Those who believe in me will do what I do. Yes, they will do even greater things because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father's glory will be shown through the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Isn't it interesting that we can be just like what was happening here? We can be with God for a long time and never truly know him. How is that possible that they walked with Jesus, they could see him, like we can't see him. How is it possible that we can see him, they can breathe his same breath, they can do everything that we wish we can do, and yet Jesus is constantly also telling them who he is and showing them who he is by his actions. But here's what I found. We're more concerned about our perception than the truth. We're more concerned about our viewpoint. And it's our viewpoint and our perception and our opinion that holds us back from receiving from the truth. Because we're so focused on, well, yeah, but then why did my grandma die of cancer? But, yeah, but, like, why do bad things happen to good people? But, yeah, why? Like, why is it that we find every excuse To take away the power of God in our life instead of looking for every reason to give him more power. Like, why do we do that? It's so interesting how, like, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, God's given us everything that we have. You could not do this without God creating you. And if you've ever wondered if you have a purpose, he could have created anybody else, but he chose you because you're that special and you're that important. And you might not see what your purpose is right now. You might not know what your purpose is right now, but guess what? God has a huge purpose for you. He has a a crazy, crazy God dream for you, but you're never gonna see it if you try to get out of it. You're never gonna see it if you're trying to find all the reasons why you're not worthy enough. You see, the interesting thing is with Moses, is that he told God why he couldn't be used. Yeah. Well, I have a stutter. Well, I can't. So then God goes, well, great. I'll have your brother come and speak for you. Because God still wanted to use him. Yeah. I don't want to have to be the kind of person that makes so many excuses that God goes, well, I guess I'll use other people for you so that you can do it. I want to be the kind of person that God goes, here's an opportunity. And I go, wow, thank you, God. And guess what, though? I don't always do it. But guess what, though? Even when you fail or you delay it or at first you deny it, God still gives you another chance. So maybe you've known the truth. Maybe, like, at one point you feel like you were living in this revelation of the truth. Guess what? You can start that right now again. Because you don't have to just know it or think you know it. You can actually live it. And you can see the fruit happen in your life. So... The I am's of Jesus. So Jesus says these I am's, right? And Jesus' I am statements are not intended to be received as just knowledge or information. They should motivate us to know Jesus for who he is. They reveal his character to us. So I read those to you earlier, but I'm going to tell you what that kind of means. So the first one, he is the bread that satisfies us. So when you have a need... He can satisfy your need. It might not be in the exact way you think. Maybe you want wheat bread and he gives you rye. Or maybe you wanted wheat bread, but he knows you have a gluten intolerance, so he gives you gluten-free bread, but you're like, gluten-free bread doesn't taste as good. God knows what you need. He will provide for you what you need. He is the light that shines on our path. How many times do you find yourself in a dark place and we're like, like I actually, this is funny, I think I've shared this in a message before, but one time I was in worship at church, and I was standing there, and I was just like, I didn't even know I was frustrated, but I was frustrated, and I was sitting there, and like just this quick, I don't know if you've ever gotten a vision or like something like that from God, but mine's rare, but when it happens, it's vivid, and so I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, it was like I was in a dark room, and I was really frustrated, and I was like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you're in a dark room, and you're You're not used to the room, so you're, like, walking around trying to find a light switch, and you're frustrated, and you're hitting yourself on things. You're like, where's the freaking light switch? You know, like, that's how I was in this vision. It was really quick, but I knew what was happening because I've done it before. And all of a sudden, like, God spoke out loud to me in the vision, like, he was, you know, in the room with me. He's like, all you have to do is move, and the light turns on, like a motion-activated light, but I'm, like, sitting there going like in the wrong ways moving, like looking for the light switch. He's like, all you got to do is walk and the light is going to catch you and you realize that it's going to come on. But so many times we're, we're sitting in our frustration. I am guilty of this. We're sitting, that's why God gave me the vision. But like I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm stuck in my frustration. I'm stuck in my anger. I'm trying to figure it out. And he's like, just walk with me and light will come. Just walk with me and solutions will come. Just walk with me and you're going to see what I'm going to do. But if you stay in the dark and you don't engage your spirit and you don't invite him in, you're never going to see him as the light in your life. The next thing is is that he is the door into the life that God wants for you. He will open up doors that no man can open and he will keep the doors shut that need to be shut. And guess what? It might be frustrating and it might hurt. Like, I've had people leave my life. I've had people reject me. I've gone through hard things. And guess what I found? Every time someone steps out of my life, every time someone rejects me, it's either been an upgrade or a protection. God will never remove somebody from your life if it's not for your best. He won't. You can trust him with the doors. He will open up not not only the door to salvation, but he'll open up doors in your life for your calling. But guess what? It starts with little things. It starts with little decisions. Pastor Keith said that today in staff, and it really like stuck with me. Get little wins. So many times we're so focused on the big wins. We're focused on the big dream. But we can't make the dream happen in our everyday. And we don't have these wins every day, even if they're small. Like if you don't know how to get a small win, give yourself a goal. Like I'm going to smile at two people today. That is doable. (laughs) Like you can do that. You can say I won today. Like. Have a win each day because guess what? Those little wins build up to the big wins and all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where you're like, I'm a winner. But you're going to feel like a loser if you're just looking at the big win like, I don't know, I want to be a famous rock star. I think that's great, but maybe learn an instrument and learn to sing first and learn to write. Like start with, those are still big things, but start with something little. (laughs) The next thing is, he is the good shepherd who cares for you. The thing I love about this analogy with the shepherd is, you know, in the Bible it says that he is the shepherd and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Like, I've been in Ireland before where there's tons of freaking sheep everywhere. And they're all mixed in, different flocks are. And the way that the shepherds call them is by their voice. If you don't spend time with God and you don't have a relationship with him, how is he supposed to shepherd you? You're going to be out in the field. He's calling for you saying, come follow me. You're going to be like, "Ma, like <laughs> grass cliff, like, you know. <laughs> Let him be a good shepherd to you. Yeah. The next thing is he is our hope. I don't really have anything to explain about that because that's pretty self-explanatory. Thank you, God, that we have a hope. Even when you don't feel like you have one. The next thing is he is the only way to God. There's a lot of people that will tell you, That there is many ways to God. There's not. It's through Jesus. He is the connection piece to God. People can believe in God. They can call him whatever name. But if they want to have a relationship, it comes through Jesus. He is the vine through which we experience the power of God. So, you know, one of the things in the scripture that's really confronting to me is that it says those. Oh, wait, I haven't read that part yet. So in 21, this, and I'm ending, it says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Does that hurt anybody else? Oh, when I read that, it just hurts. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. My Father will love those who love me. I too will love them and reveal myself to them. And then it says this, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, I think it's interesting that they had to say that just then because they wanted you to know it wasn't the betrayer that stayed the betrayer because peter was a betrayer too so judas not iscariot like aren't you glad the bible doesn't say like michelle taurus <laughs> not michelle franklin like aren't you glad that it doesn't have to say that about you like they're directly pointing out that and i think that's just very interesting to me I don't know, it just stuck out to me, said, Lord, how can it be that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered them, those who love me will obey my teaching. That doesn't seem like that was an answer to what he said. Those who obey God will get more and more of him. Those who honor God will get more and more of him. Those are the people that are going to be in the presence of God. They're gonna get God revealed to them. If you're ever feeling like really distant from God or like you don't feel like he's there, it's probably because you're not obeying what you know you should obey. My father will love them and if my father and I will come to them and live with them, those who do not love me do not obey my teaching. And the teaching you have heard is not mine, but it comes from the father who sent me. So... It's saying if you obey God, you love him. If you don't obey him, you don't love him. I have not obeyed God before, a lot. That's super confronting to me. But guess what? Every action you take is either affirming your belief and love for God or it's not. And that's not to make you feel bad because guess what? Even if you don't love Jesus back, he loves you but your actions prove your love for him. Like the steps you take either get you closer to him or they don't. And I've said this before, but I imagine the scripture where it says he he waits and he knocks at the door, like there's a door and the handle's only on our side. Only you can open up that door to relationship with Jesus. Only you can open up that door to revelation from God. Only you can open up the obedience part. What I truly believe is I believe that obedience is the door to your miracle. Some of you are waiting for a miracle. Some of you guys need a miracle today. My encouragement to you is start being obedient and see what happens. Because when you love God, oh my goodness, he's gonna just pour out his love on you. And guess what, he's already doing that but you're not gonna see it if you're not obedient. It's like you're just stiff arming Jesus, (laughs) like no, like, I want your love and your favor, but I don't want to obey you. It's not how it works. I don't know if you've ever had parents. But When you don't clean your room when you're younger and they ask you to, you get grounded. Now, God's not going to ground you, but you're going to get the favor of God. You're going to get the love of God where you can see it in your life. It's always been there, but you're not going to be able to see it until you step into that obedience. That doesn't mean perfection, though. A personal relationship is the key to loving Jesus and receiving from him. You know, whenever I said that thing about Judas, I think it's interesting because our view of God should not change based on where we are, who we are with, but it will if you don't know the truth. Something great happens when we see and recognize who God really is. Everything you are, everything you can do, and everything that is possible is determined by who you say God is in your life. There are 2,203 descriptions of who Jesus is in the Bible. Like, I don't know about you, but I know about celebrities. Like, I know certain things about celebrities, okay? But there's a difference in knowing about someone and knowing them personally. You can know about Jesus, you can know about somebody, but you don't know what it feels like to talk to them. You don't know what it feels like to hear their voice until you actually do it. You don't know what they're going to do in a hard time until you've spent time with them. And God wants to show you his character. He wants to show you his love. And when you have the right people in your life, when you get in the right place and you choose to obey God, you invite the right things. You know, Pastor Keith has this quote and it says, you are not who you think you are. You aren't who other people think you are. You are not who you think other people think that you are. You are who God says you are. And I think that's really important for us to realize today because some of you guys, like me, have been told by other people who you are and what you can do, and it's holding you back. And you might know what the Bible says, you might have heard about some stories, but have you applied it yet? Because what God wants for you tonight is to not just just have role models, he wants you to experience the fullness of what he has for you from learning from other people that have gone before you. And if you don't learn from people, because you can look at somebody and see them as a role model, but if you don't apply, you're not gonna get. And so often we can get so wrapped up in what I think or what other people think and we try to justify or we try to be like, mm, I'm not sure God, and we're missing out because we're choosing to, but then we get frustrated at God. And maybe you've found yourself in a season where you've messed up or you don't understand what's going on or you know, you haven't fully learned to apply the Bible. I wanna end tonight by praying for you. I wanna pray for two different groups of people. The first group is people that have never accepted Jesus into their heart because you can't fully receive the power of God. You can't fully know who God is in your life if you don't start having a relationship with him. And that can start tonight. Maybe you did it a long time ago and maybe you wanna do it again. Maybe you wanna like just say, God, I recommit myself to you tonight. Or maybe you're in the second group and you say, I've been knowing a lot of stuff Like, we can all repost a quote and be like, oh, but like, can you apply that quote? Can you apply what you know? Can you apply what God tells you? Can you apply when he sits there and speaks to you and you don't even realize it? I found most of the times God speaking to me is super uncomfortable and it's not what I want. So if you're ever wondering if God's speaking to you, it's probably something that you should do, but you don't wanna do. And you can get to the point where you push that away. And tonight, that second group is saying, God, I want to I step into that obedience, not only so that I can receive a miracle and live in that with you, but I want to be a miracle. I want to help other people. I want to do something great. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if the first person's you and you say, I want to receive Jesus, maybe for the first time, the second time, however many times you want to recommit that tonight, we're all going to pray together. If you would just raise your hand between you and God so that you can acknowledge and take action and say, God, I want more of you tonight. Just raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Second group. If you say, I want more of God and I want to live in the reality of what he has for me, like never before, I want to pray with you as well if you would just lift your hand. Awesome. Whenever we take action, God gets to respond. We give him an opportunity to respond right now. So if everybody could repeat this prayer after me, maybe you've said it a million times in a church, maybe you've never said it before, but let's say this together. Everyone say, God, I love you. I may not know what all that means, but I'm committed to find out. Forgive me of any mistakes I've made. Make me new. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. And God, I just speak to every single person that raised their hand for the first or second reason that you would show up in their life like never before. That God, they would step into a new reality of your love and how great they are and what you've called for them to do, God. God, it's not just about the big things that we're going to do, but it's about every day the little wins that you want us to have, every day the the relationship that you want to have with us. God, we don't just have to think thoughts in our minds or say things that are negative out of our mouths. God, we can speak your truth even when we don't see it as truth yet. God, we can create our world with words just like you did. You've given us authority. You've given us power so we don't have to believe the lies of the enemy. We don't have to get twisted up in what things are or how we don't understand them or, or just deal with the same things over and over again like darkness and anxiety and depression and panic attacks. Even though that stuff's real, God, that doesn't have to be our reality over your power. God, we can receive tonight your power and your relationship like never before. God, I speak tonight that we're not just going to be hearers of the word. We're going to be doers of the word. We're going to learn from people. God, we're going to apply what you've spoken to us. Whenever we come into Tuesday nights or on weekends or wherever we're at in a small group, that God, we're not just going to show up to receive. God, we're going to show up, receive, and apply. God, I thank you that we are not just a one-sided object that gets filled up. God, we are a vessel that pours out. God, so we have to pour in more of you. We have to pour in more of your presence and more of who you are so that we can pour out to other people. God, you've called us to reach people. And maybe people in this room don't feel like they have a ministry calling, but whether they're in business, whether they're in education, God, whether they're in a vocational field, God, you've called all of us to reach people for you. You've called all of us to love people for you, but we have to feel loved first. We have to see you first. We have to receive you first. So I thank you that as that's starting tonight, maybe for the first time for some people, that they're going to hear from you. They're going to see you. They're going to have just this new revelation and confidence and joy. in In the last part of that scripture, God, your son said that he brings peace that's not peace of the world. He doesn't give things like the world gives them. God, he's going to give us a peace that passes all understanding. So no matter what happens in the economy, no matter what happens in our family, no matter what happens politically, no matter what happens in our bodies, God, you have the final say. You have the authority, so we give you that. God, before we even see you work, we give you that authority because guess what? When we do, our life will line up. Our body will line up. Our mind will line up. Everything around us will line up with that, and we will walk in victory before we've even seen the victory. God, we're going to walk in blessing before we've even seen the blessing. And God, we thank you that that's going to be our reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at ambrose.